Fall camp has officially begun. It was media day yesterday. What did Josh Hopple have to say about Joe Milton, about the quarterback competition, his pass rush, and some of the themes that he picked up on Tennessee football in the 2021 camp and 2022 camp that he knew good things were on the horizon. That top five storylines for camp, a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, your first listen every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That is your team every single day. Appreciate you guys for being here. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Add underscore Kaner on Twitter at Lockdown Balls, where you can always find me. We got a fun show coming up. Going to give you the best sound bites, the best from Tennessee Media Day as fall camp officially has kicked off with practice number one happening this morning. Top five storylines that I'm looking for, that I'm paying attention to in segment number two, and the big one in segment three is scouting the opponents, the Georgia Bulldogs. We have got a fun show. We're going to go ahead and get right down into it. So, Tennessee kicked off fall camp on the Tuesday media day. Josh Heupel spoke to the media, the coordinators, Joey Halsley offense, first year, Tim Banks defense, third year. They spoke to the media, and then 12 different players took time in a breakout session uh, to speak to the media as well. And so it was a very, very productive day. And from the podium, the head coach and the coordinators uh, pulled a couple of sound bites that I want to play and we can talk about briefly. First, we'll get into Josh Heupel. A common theme during his uh, press conference setting yesterday was just the difference, where this team is now, where this program is now, compared to where it was when he took over, and something that he made note of as well yesterday. Here's Josh Heupel on the difference between now and January 2021. First of all, like cornerstone pieces of who we are, the foundation's been set, it's been laid, uh, great trust and and accountability inside of uh, our walls. you know, our players, just their, their daily habits, who they are, what they're about, how they compete uh, individually with themselves and collectively as a group, too. Um, we've come a long ways in, in a short amount of time. Our roster, you know, I, I've said it before, you know, that first fall we had 65 scholarship players. Um, you know, we're close to 85. We got uh, real depth, real competition, really at every position. And that's true of our veterans that are here. There's a lot of young guys, 18 of them, that were with us during the course of spring ball. I expect them to be a much more mature and complete player when we step on the field tomorrow, but certainly as we grow during the course of training camp. There's just great competition everywhere. Um, Our athleticism, uh, strength, all those things have continued to improve our functional movement. Um, We're continuing to take strides, um, but this is the time of year where you gotta go out and earn it every day. Okay, so there's a lot of coach speak in there, and you're going to get that when any head coach gets up to the podium. But, you know, some good things there saying, hey, we're deeper, we're we're stronger, we're faster, but we're close to 85 scholarships. And in case you're wondering, they always keep a couple of those scholarships open, one because you're self-reducing or you're self-imposing, but also just in case you want to take some transfer portal uh, later on in the cycle as well. So uh, that's Josh Heupel, kind of where they are, the, the cornerstone, the foundation of the program that he wants to set. Hey, it's off and running. You saw some success last year. It doesn't carry over, but it's good to kind of taste that success uh, when you're moving forward. Uh, the question was asked about the quarterbacks, obviously. Joe Milton, Nico Iamaliava, what would be a productive fall camp for those guys? Of course, Milton preparing to be the starter, Nico preparing to be a college quarterback, but the backup this year, obviously no injuries is number one, 
But here's what Josh Heupel had to say about his quarterbacks and what he looks for in those guys over the next couple of weeks. And is it a difference between the two of them or is it the same? Well, yeah, a little bit because they're they're different in, as far as the, the stages that they're at inside of the quarterback room, understanding our offense and fundamental, um, you know, how we want them to play. Um, both of them, I expect to compete and lead at a, at a, at a high level. Uh, I, I think it's really important that those guys have great energy and urgency and that transcends not just through our offense, but also through our football team. Um, for all of our players, <clears throat> this is a game that's never going to be perfect. And being able to reset from one play to the next, I think is one of the most important traits that you have as a competitor and as a player in this game. Uh, so for those two guys, being able to do that and then master what we're doing offensively will be really important. One of those things that I liked in there is a short-term memory. got to forget, right? Uh, for Joe Milton, that's something that he even mentioned at SEC Media Days. That, and we, I think we played that clip on here a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was last week. It was like, hey, that's where I got in trouble you know, la or back in 2021. I was dwelling on the last play, or I was thinking too far ahead. Uh, you got you to gotta have a short-term memory. You got to forget some things and move on to the next play. And the same can be said for a true freshman quarterback that's getting all this thrown at you, and it's brand new, and guys are bigger and faster and stronger, and the, the speed is so fast. And then you're having to run tempo. Um, you know, you, you got to have a short-term memory for both of those guys. But he didn't say it. But you know, number one thing for both those guys is stay healthy, stay healthy, stay healthy. Uh, let's flip real quick. Let's go over to actually. Let's stay on Milton. Let's stay on Milton here. Um, how important was it for Joe Milton to get those two starts last year, Vanderbilt and Orange Bowl, in the Orange Bowl against uh, Clemson, and find some success there? as he is now turning a new leaf and being the starter once again. This is Josh Heupel, once again on his quarterback, Joe Milton. For all of the guys, Joe included, that had an opportunity to you know, play late in the year, that could have been Vandy when guy, we had a few guys nicked up um, to, to the bowl game. Um, and that experience, it, in some ways, it is a springboard to the 23 season. It gives all those guys great confidence in, in what they had done up until that point to go play that way when given the opportunity. Uh, for Joe, nobody was surprised that he played that way inside of our program. We had seen the way that he had worked and competed and how he had continued to grow um, you know, as a person, but also as a player um, and uh, anticipated in playing that way. Uh, at this point, um, you know, what happened, you know, in January or December has nothing to do with, you know, where we go. And, and uh, those guys being focused on continuing to grow every day, I think is really important. I think it's important. One of the last things he said right there at this point, what happened in, in December and in January, you know, really has nothing to do with what's happened with what is happening right now. However, you can use it as a springboard confidence, knowing that you've been there and you've done that. Um, so it was important for Joe Milton to, to get back in there and to just go out there and do what uh, Josh Heupel knows that he can do and what Joe Milton knows that he can do. And of course, if Tennessee uh, gets Joe Milton doing what he knows he can do and reaching up to his potential, that offense is going to be in really, really good, good shape. All right, let's uh, shift gears here. Josh Heupel, the head football coach, ask about the secondary, ask about the cornerback position. I'll touch base on this in segment number two. Um, but what about that cornerback competition? There's a lot of guys, a lot of returners. You add in a lot of transfers and some true freshmen as well into that mix. Um, how's that going to shake out over the course of fall camp? What are you looking for? Uh, here's Josh Heupel on that cornerback competition in the secondary. Well, you know, the five guys that came in in January, really excited about, you know, their athleticism, their physical traits. They were super mature in the way they competed and handled themselves on the, on the field and off the field. 
I anticipate those guys, <clears throat> excuse me, after you know going through an offseason, going through spring ball, and having time, having an opportunity to kind of digest all that and go back through some installs this summer, man, when we hit the ground, being a much different player, while still understanding that they're going to have to continue to grow throughout the course of, of training camp. Uh, the vets, uh, a year ago, we were kind of nicked up during training camp. We got nicked up during the course of the season. We need those guys to stay healthy. We need them to be on the field. We need them to compete and get those reps. Um, you can't uh, you can't be the player that that you need to be if you're not practicing during this time of year. And so um, we need all those guys playing and competing here during the course of training camp for them to be their best. It's one of the positions where there's great competition. Every position on our, in our program, you got to go earn it here during you know the next two and a half, three weeks of, of training camp. Prove that you're going to play at a championship level. Um, but I'm really looking forward to the competition at that spot. All right, so yeah, there there was some big time coach talking there. You know, every position's up for grabs. You got to go earn it, which is true. You got to go earn it. Don't no doubt about it. Josh Hobble didn't say a whole lot there, but meaning the five guys who came in 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 uh, in the midterm in January, he was lumping in there John Slaughter and Jack Luttrell, the safeties as well. But I'll get into more on this in segment two. But I'm telling you, man, there's there's a ton. The injuries devastated that group last year. You had so many different guys who played so much. And so just when you when you rattle them off here, right? I mean, Kamal Haddon, Warren Burrell, Danico Slaughter, Brandon Turnage, Deshaun Rucker. I mean, all those guys played some cornerback last year, right? I mean, and I'm probably forgetting a couple. You add in Gabe Julie Lolly from BYU, uh, Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews who want to push those guys. I am so excited to watch that group go to work uh, in fall camp. Because again, and I'll continue to say this, you might see the standard you know, veteran secondary out there game one. You might see Danico Slaughter at one side, who I think is the best one, and then Kamal Haddon at the other corner. You might see Wesley Walker and and uh, and, uh, and uh, Jalen McCullough at the safety and then T-Mac at, at the star. But the difference this year, in my opinion, is you've got guys and, and you, you got guys just ready to go. In years past, you were, unless it was an injury-related, like you, you were hesitant to send guys in there and say, hey, you just got to be with the slant over the middle. Get your ass out. Let me go put this guy in there. And let, let, let's let him play for the rest of the series. I think you're to the point now in your program and your depth and your experience to where you're not as hesitant to do that. So, again, only time will tell. We'll see once the games start rolling around. But that position group is deep for the University of Tennessee. Uh, two more here. Let's get to the coordinators. This is Joey Halsley, first-year offensive coordinator. Of course, he's been a longtime quarterbacks coach for Josh Heupel. He was asked about Joe Milton. The difference in Joe Milton now compared to Joe Milton in the summer of 2021, both as a football player and as a person. Here's Tennessee's new offensive coordinator, Joey Halsley. Yeah, he's a completely different guy, even the way you first said it, not just player, but his attention to detail is is elite. He um, he came back after that Clemson game, and, and he was hungry to keep learning, to keep pushing forward. He didn't rest on his laurels and be like, all right, cool, I figured it out. He pushed. I think he saw the success that he had, and he knows what his talent can do, and now his mentality is matching that as far as how much he wants to learn, how much he's just consuming the game at all times. It's, it's fun to be a part of right now, and it's it's a it's a special mindset that that kid has. Again, that was Tennessee offense coordinator Joey Halsley saying, "Hey, Joe Milton's completely different, right? His attention to detail is elite." I thought that was a really really good soundbite. Uh, just doing the little things right and preparing as if you are the guy. And now again, he is the guy. Last one we want to play. Let's shift gears over to the defense side of the football. You got Tim Banks. Um, 
there's a number of things I could have pulled here, but I really like this soundbite. Ask about another one of those newcomers. Uh, you know, I'll not talk about it in segment number two when I get into my top five things I'm looking for. Newcomer on the defensive line, Omar Norman Lott from Arizona State. What has he seen in Omar Norman Lott through spring practice and summer workouts? And what type of role will he play on this football team? Here's Tim Banks, defensive coordinator on Omar Norman Lott. Man, yeah, o Omar's been a good get for us. Um, just his, his quickness, you know, he's very sudden. You know, he, he's not obviously the biggest guy in terms of length, you know, but he's, he's extremely wide and he has a tremendous first step. So, um, you know, our, our inside guys have been really good, you know, particularly against the run. Um, I think Locke can give us the same thing versus the run, but I also think he brings the element of um, explosive to, explosiveness, you know, getting off the ball with his first step. So uh, we, th we definitely think he'll help us in the pass game. But, you know, the way we move, the way we stunt, you know, I think he has a chance to be really um, productive in our system. Yeah, Tim Banks, he wasn't shy. He was like, hey, man, woo, he's been a good get. <laughs> so that's why I wanted to play that clip. But also I think it's important to not only – get home and rush the quarterback with your front four. But when we have that conversation, we always talk about the Leo position, the edge, the outside, getting an interior pass rush, making that quarterback flush out of the pocket. And then maybe those edge guys can clean up. Um, all that, all that will only help with the back end, allowing those guys to play more zone instead of man to man. And uh, maybe Omar Norman Lott will have a big hand uh, in that this season. So fall camp, a media day kicked off yesterday and practice number one is this morning. I encourage you to check out VolQuest.com. We'll have practice report observations over there as well as right here on Locked On Vols. And uh, we'll tell you all about it. Everything that we see today at practice number one for the University of Tennessee right here on Locked On Vols. Hey, when we come back, top five storylines. What am I looking forward to? What do I need to see in fall camp? Top five, I'll give you those in segment number two. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn. Guys, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have the best access to qualified candidates available. That's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. We have all tried to take that next step in our career by posting our resume online at LinkedIn Jobs, hoping to get that next stepping stone job or maybe the, the job of our dreams, right? Dream job and LinkedIn.com. LinkedIn Jobs has helped us achieve that. Maybe you are at, at the pinnacle here. Maybe you are now uh, managing and owning and operating your own small business, but you need some help and you need qualified people that can help bring value to your small business and those that you can trust. You can find that out. You can find those people over at LinkedIn Jobs. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you want to interview and then hire. It's why small businesses always rank LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering qualified hires versus its leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster and for free. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnCollege. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on. Let me try that again. Post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. Locked on balls every single weekday, 30 minutes or less. It is your Tennessee football volunteers podcast. Appreciate you every day for being here and subscribing to locked on balls on the YouTube channel. Can't thank you enough for that. And of course, getting us wherever you find your podcast. All right. So we got some, 
We got fall camp happening right now. Of course, media day kicked things off yesterday. Uh, today, the first practice will be underway. They're going to practice Wednesday through Saturday, off day on Sunday. I think next week it's uh, Monday through Saturday with an off day on Sunday again. Anyway, we're going to have a, we're going to see a whole lot of football at least. Um, you know, as much as they'll let us uh, over the next couple of weeks before getting into scrimmage number one. But what I want to know is, what are the top five storylines uh, for Tennessee fo- football fall camp? I've got mine. I'd love to hear yours as well at underscore Kaner and at Locked On Balls. But I'm going to tell you my top five storylines, the five things I am looking forward the most, looking forward to seeing, looking for when I'm out there covering practice, all that and more. And some of these are battles and groups and and all that type of stuff. But here's kind of my checklist. And again, a lot of this is repetition. We've talked about a lot of this over the offseason, but just you newcomers. uh, You might not be everydayers just yet, but uh, soon you will be. uh, You might be hearing this for the first time. So number five, and a countdown five to one, things I'm looking forward the most in spring football or in fall camp and that is the newcomers, okay? Whether that be true freshmen, whether that be transfer portal additions. We got to see a lot of these guys in spring practice, sure. Uh, Keenan Peely, linebacker, who's going to start. Dante Thornton, a wide receiver, who's going to play a lot out of the slots. Um, Gabe Judy Lolly, a cornerback. Christian Campbell, uh, Charles Campbell, excuse me, the kicker. Omar Norman Lott on the defensive line. We heard what Tim Banks said about him uh, back in uh, segment number one. But I'm intrigued to see some more of these newcomers. Andre Kirik. Is he going to factor into the starting offensive line? We'll have to see. Those are the transfers, but also how different do these true freshmen look? A lot of these guys enrolled early and got part, got a part of the strength and conditioning program and all that. I want to see what they look like, how their bodies have changed a little bit uh, involved in the strength and conditioning program at the collegiate level. What do they look like on the field? Aaron Carter, Jeremiah T. Lander, who I saw on Monday or on Tuesday just walking through the complex. Looks like he's really benefited from the strength and conditioning program for sure. But Aaron Carter at linebacker, Jeremiah T. Lander. Uh, what about the, you know Nico Iamaliava, the true freshman quarterback, of course? But if all goes well, this is going to be Joe's show. I mean, there's there's a whole lot of true freshmen as well that I want to see and kind of how they've taken steps in their progression. So number five will be the newcomers for me. Number four. That tight end room, all right? Again, it's not sexy, especially it's not the sexiest the way that Josh Hopple uses it, at least he has here at Tennessee. Of course, Princeton fan, that was a whole lot of fun watching him go after it last year. But the tight end position is so critical in this offense because, again, uh, for, for you newbies out there, um, at least this is how I see the tight end group, and I say it all the time. That's why I'm saying if you're first to hear it, here it is. The tight end position allows you to go up-tempo. Okay, there's a reason why Tennessee doesn't go four wide receiver sets because they want to go up tempo, meaning they want to be in proper run fits and run formations as well as you know being able to sling it out there and throw it around a little bit. The tight end position allows you to do that. Flex out wide, come in on the line of scrimmage, be a little H-back, and when you stop to sub, that allows the defense to stop and stuff as well. So there's a reason why the tight end is the key variable in this Josh Hopple offense. Jacob Bourne's huge. Sixth year, of course, he knows the system. He knows what to do. McCallan Castle's coming over. One of those transfers I didn't even mention in, uh, in in you know point number five there that I just said, or the first one that I just did. But McCallan Castle's going to have to play. You're going to have to play two tight ends no matter what. Ethan Davis, a true freshman, looked really good in the spring game and, and looked really good in spring practice overall. Broke his collarbone there towards the end of the spring game. He's going to be back ready to go. And we'll find out later today exactly, you know, if, if he actually is or if he has a red non-contact jersey on or whatever. 
Uh, but the tight end room, I'm intrigued to see how the progressions happen for McCallan Castles and Ethan Davis. A huge position for Tennessee. You know what you're going to get in Jacob Warren. Number three, number three, the thing I'm looking forward to the most, the offensive line battle. Okay, we talk about this in nauseam, right? Maybe this could be number one. Maybe this is number one for you. But who is going to start at left guard? Who is going to start at right tackle? Okay, this is under the assumption that transfer from Miami, John Campbell, is going to be your left tackle. Okay, he started there every game last year. That's where he's most familiar. That's where he's comfortable at left tackle. Um, you know, left guard, we'll, find, we'll come back to it. Uh, working our way down left to right on the offensive line. Centers, Cooper Mays, right guard, Javante Spragans, and then right tackle. Because John Campbell is going to play left tackle, that's going to take the two guys that split time at left tackle last year and Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford, flip them over to the right side. I am not as worried about the right tackle position, and I haven't been all offseason long. And maybe, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I just feel like, yeah, sure, it's a big change. I'm not acting like it's not. Okay, imagine doing everything with your right hand. If you're right-handed, then having to do everything with the left hand. It's a huge change flipping from one side of the line of scrimmage to the next. But those guys have played. Those guys have battle scars. Those guys have played in this tempo and this offense. I'm not as worried about the right tackle job. And I think it's Gerald Mincy. He's bigger, faster, stronger when compared to J.J. Crawford. Uh, even Dane Davis is in this conversation. But I'm not as worried about that. I'm worried about the left guard spot. Who's going to play left guard? Ollie Lane has played a lot of football for Tennessee. Um, Addison Nichols was a true freshman last year. He's a natural guard. He'll be in that conversation. Andre Carrick, uh, the, the Texas transfer, is he going to uh, feel more at home compared to spring practice? I think he was a little bit behind the eight ball, and I think he'll have something to say about that. Now, those are the three guys at left guard. Who's going to step up and play? My prediction is Ollie Lane's going to be your starting left guard to begin the season, and then maybe there could be a change shortly thereafter. But we will see. Those are the biggest question marks on the offensive line. Moving along, we'll go to the number two. The second thing I'm looking for, the biggest thing, working down from five to one, the pass rush. Goes hand-in-hand hand with the secondary, which, spoilers, that's going to be the number one thing I'm looking for. But the pass rush has got to get home with four. You can't just rely on rushing a linebacker or rushing a, a defensive back at the Tamari McDonald from the star position. You've got to get home with four. Um, Byron Young was your best pass rusher, and he's gone to the NFL now. He was a day-two draft pick. You bring back a lot, sure. Tyler Barron on one side playing that five technique. Of course, we know the interior options. Tyree West as well over there with Byron. But you look at that Leo position, Roman Harrison, who's going to play an awful lot of football. You've got James Pierce, Joshua Josephs, who cracked his... Uh, cracked onto the scene as a true freshman, saw a lot of playing time. And then you have a true freshman in Caleb Herring, younger brother, brother of Elijah Herring. I feel like, of course, you know, those those last three that I mentioned, Josephs, Pierce, and Herring, they're everything you want in the position. They're long, they're explosive, they're quick off the line of scrimmage. You know, can you separate yourself? Can one of you guys step up and own that position? I'm so intrigued about the Leo position and the pass rush because – if the pass rush, pass rush improves and you don't have to rush somebody from the second or third level, then that's going to improve your secondary, and that brings us to number one, the secondary. Heard a lot of, uh, uh, you know, we, we heard Josh Heibel comment on it in segment number one, highlights of media day. You bring back an awful lot. You bring back an awful lot. But, you know, was it good enough last year? No, it was not. And there were a number of different factors in that, and a number of different factors in that. And of course, there were injuries and stuff like that. And the pass rush didn't get home as much as you want. You bring back a lot of experience, and that's going to be huge. But who separates themselves? You look at cornerback. 
these guys have all played. I think Danico Slaughter is going to be a starter. Okay. He's a, he's one cornerback. Warren Burrell was injured in the Pittsburgh game. He comes back. He's been a starter for three years. Okay. Deshaun Rucker got his toes wet a little bit. Brandon Turnage uh, has played a little bit for Tennessee over the past couple of seasons. Kamal Haddon, who might be more talented than ever. Throw in newcomers Christian Conyer and Ricky Gibson and Jordan Matthews, along with BYU transfer Gabe Judy Lolly. All those guys have played some football, except the true freshman. Um, it's going to be a great competition. It's going to be a great competition. I am so intrigued to see how the secondary fiddles out. Your star player is going to be Tamari McDonald. As of right now, your two safeties are likely going to be Wesley Walker and Jalen McCullough. But that secondary is going to be a very, very intriguing cornerback battle uh, to watch throughout fall camp. So those are my top five storylines, the top five things I am looking forward to uh, seeing in fall camp over the course of the next couple of weeks. Working down from five to one, number five, the newcomers, number four, the tight end room, number three, the offensive line battles, particularly left guard, right tackle, number two, the pass rush, the Leo position, number one, the secondary battle, primarily at cornerback. What say you? I can't wait to get you uh, eyes on those battles and eyes on those storylines later today and on throughout fall camp. We get to watch eight periods today, which is great. And then the rest of the way, we just get to see periods zero through two. But hey, anything I see, I will relay it. I will report it over to you right here on Lockdown Vault. That is why you guys are smarter than the rest of the Tennessee fans by listening and watching us here on Lockdown Vols. All right, when we come back, we'll shift gears, get back into our scouting the opponent series. The big one, November the 18th, the Georgia Bulldogs. We'll preview the Georgia Bulldogs, talk about their offseason when we return right here on Lockdown Balls. We are rolling right along here on this Wednesday edition of Lockdown Balls. Appreciate you guys being here. We've talked a whole lot about a fall camp, top five storylines. We heard the highlights from Media Day on Tuesday. And now let's transition into the big one, scouting the opponents, the next to the last game of the regular season. And this is the biggest game of the season for Tennessee with the Georgia Bulldogs. Of course, we know about Georgia back-to-back -back national champions last year, 15-0. Of course, Tennessee fell in Athens last year by a score of 27-13. This game in 2023, it's going to be week 12, game 11, November the 18th, November the 18th at Neyland Stadium. Uh, there are there, there's some pretty significant changes to Georgia if they're looking for a three-peat, something that hasn't happened in NCAA football since the 1950s. Some big changes they're going to have to overcome, even though there's still plenty and plenty of talent left on that roster. Kirby Smart, of course, your head football coach, he's back for his eighth season. 81-15 and 15 is his record at Georgia. Not bad, right? But he will be doing it with a new offensive coordinator. Todd Monken's gone to the NFL with the Ravens, I believe. Back comes in Mike Bobo, a veteran coordinator around the SEC. He will call plays for the Georgia Bulldogs this year. And there's going to be a new quarterback. The Stetson Bennett era is over uh, for Georgia. In fact, Stetson Bennett is gone. Kenny McIntosh is gone. Darnell Washington is gone. Your two starting offensive tackles are gone from Georgia from that record-setting 2022 uh, team. But Stetson Bennett's gone and in Carson Beck. And I've been pretty consistent in my analysis of this. Stetson Bennett brought a whole lot to the table. I'm not trying to diminish that whatsoever. He's a he's a legend in Athens, okay? But from a pure talent perspective, Carson Beck's better. Carson Beck is a better athlete and a better quarterback throwing the football and all that type of stuff. But again, it just goes to show you there's more to playing the quarterback position. Got to be smart, super smart. And I'm not saying Carson Beck wasn't smart. I'm just more of a credit to Stetson Bennett. But from a measurable standpoint and from a athletic standpoint, Carson Beck's an upgrade. 
He appeared in seven games last year, 26 to 35, 310 yards, four touchdowns. Also, the backup quarterback will be Brock Vandergriff, most likely. Uh, regardless, going to have the best playmaker in all of college football at the tight end position, and that's Brock Bowers. Led Georgia with 63 receptions, 912 yards, and seven touchdowns a season ago. Brock Bowers, one of the best football players in the entire country, and uh, he will be a first-round draft pick in 2024, no doubt about it. Look at the wide receivers. You bring back some real production at that position, and then you add to it. Lad McConkey, 58 receptions, 762 yards, and seven touchdowns. He's back. Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint, 29 receptions, 337 yards, and two touchdowns. He scored against Tennessee last year. He's back. But you also add to that group, okay, with Dominic Lovett. 56 receptions, 846 yards, and let's see here, three touchdowns at Missouri last year. And you add Ra Ra Thomas, who's gotten in some issues off the field so far, but Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State, 44 receptions, 627 yards, and two touchdowns. Georgia's wide receiver room got a whole lot better this offseason. Running backs, again, I mentioned earlier you're losing Kenny McIntosh, but... <laughs> Again, when you continue to stack on recruiting class over recruiting class over recruiting class filled with five- and four-star blue-chip prospects, you're going to be okay. Running back to John Edwards is the leading returning rusher. He's back at 797 yards, 5.5 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. Uh, Kendall Milton, who was a freshman forever ago, it feels like, he's back. 592 yards, seven yards per carry, eight touchdowns last year. And Branson Robertson, former five-star prospect, as a true freshman last year, scored three touchdowns and had 330 yards rushing. So they're going to be okay at running back, no doubt about it. And it and on the offensive line, easily the best offensive line uh, in the SEC last year and arguably the best offensive line in the country, you look at what this group did. It allowed Georgia in 2022 to convert on 51% of its third downs. Not bad. All right, 5.33 yards per carry. That's really, really good. And as a unit in 2022, the offensive line gave up only seven sacks. Uh, not bad at all. You lose your two tackles, but the interior of that Georgia offensive line is coming back, and it's pretty good. Arguably the best center in the Southeastern Contra Conference, uh, Cedric Van Plan, is coming back, and your guards. Uh, Xavier Truss and Tate Rutledge. Remember Tate Rutledge on his own podcast a couple weeks ago said the Neyland Stadium is the best stadium in the SEC. Thought that was really, really weird to even say, but he is a starting guard for the Georgia Bulldogs. So, again, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback. Um, it's not going to be easy, but still a whole lot of talent to work with there if you're Kirby Smart in Georgia on offense. Now, let's flip over and go to the defensive side of the football. 19 defensive players have been drafted the past three years. Let that sink in. 19 defensive players from Georgia has been drafted the past three years. That is just incredible. You lose the likes of highly talented players, defensive tackle Jalen Carter, outside linebacker Nolan Smith, N'Kobe Dean on the inside linebacker, cornerback Keely Ringo, safety Christopher Smith, and much like on offense, there's still a whole lot to work with. Last year in 2022, Georgia defense led the SEC in total defense, giving up less than 300 yards a game, 291 yards per game, 12.8 points per game. Tennessee averaged 46 points per game, led the nation easily in total offense and scoring offense. And in Athens last year, unfortunately, Tennessee can only score 13 points. 
Says a lot about that Georgia defense, guys. And the rush defense was really good, allowing only 77 yards per game on the ground. Tennessee was second at like 110. Both marks really, really good. Georgia's was elite. Defensive line, though, you, you do bring back some veterans in um, Victavius, or let's see here, Warren Branson, Zion Lug, and Nazire uh, Stackhouse. At linebacker, you're really, really good. You're, 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 the word legit comes to mind at linebacker, even though you lost Dean. You bring back Small Munden, uh, former Tennessee target a couple of cycles ago. 76 tackles. He was second on the team, eight TFLs. Jason Dumas Johnson, 70 tackles, nine TFLs, where he led the team. Not bad at all. Again, you lose Nolan Smith off the edge, and that's a huge loss. Okay, but you do bring back some guys like Mikel Williams, who had four and a half sacks last year. Chaz Chimblis, who had two sacks and 16 tackles last year. The secondary, you got to replace Keely Ringo, but not not too bad at the quarterback position with Kamiri Lannister, who will play opposite of him. You also have Dylan Everett, and then from Texas A&M transfer Smoke Bowie comes in to add some some depth at that quarterback position. At the safety spot, Siobhan Bullard, who's been a starter in this league for a long time, seven TFLs a season ago, he'll play one of them, and then Malik Starks will play the other safety. He was second on the team with 68 tackles as a true freshman. So, again, it's kind of the same story. You lose a lot, very, very talented, but you also return a lot. You have these underclassmen who play a little bit, who hang around. They see, okay, come in here, bide your time, work hard, play, get drafted, make money. Now it's my turn. That's kind of the situation there for Georgia. Anyway, you want to spend it. Huge matchup for Tennessee. Can Tennessee get revenge and win this win in Neyland Stadium? We'll see. Uh, will this game determine who's going to represent the SEC East and Atlanta for the SEC Championship, the final one with divisions? We will see. Time will tell. It's Week 12, Game 11, the second-to-last game of the regular season, and that's going to be played at Neyland Stadium on November the 18th. Woo, fun show today. whole lot to get into that we uh, went over in the course of a little over 30 minutes. You heard from Josh Heupel and coordinators Joey Halsley and Tim Banks. Gave you my top five storylines for fall camp. Practice starting this morning, Wednesday morning. Practice number one. I'll tell you what I saw. All that and more. It's what you had to look forward to on tomorrow's show. Plus, we'll conclude scouting the opponent with Vanderbilt tomorrow. Of course, we talked about Georgia here today. Appreciate you guys for always being here, being a part of the show. Shout out everydayers. If you're not an everydayer, come back tomorrow, figure out what it means. In the meantime, though, go ahead and follow us wherever you get your podcast Odyssey app, Spotify. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever the case may be. And, of course, subscribe. Let's get to 8K by kickoff to Locked On Balls on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys, as always. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll tell you what I saw at Tennessee. Fall football practice coming up on tomorrow's show.